Lord, even in the middle of all of this, you have never stopped being the king on the throne. We worship you and we place ourselves before you in trust and in expectancy. Lord, speak to your subjects. Speak to your children. Speak to us your word of comfort and perspective and reassurance this morning. We worship and honor and praise you. In the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Well, good morning, beloved Covenant family. I sure have missed seeing your faces. I miss you all. And I am so glad that even in the midst of our being scattered all over the place, we get to come together as a church family this morning and together put ourselves in God's presence and worship him and receive the the comfort and the encouragement that he brings. We're especially glad as a family to be able to welcome any of you who are joining us online this morning from outside of our church family. We love having you as our guests, and we're really glad to have you as part of our family today. Well, these continue to just be such strange days, don't they? All of our plans tossed out the windows, all of our routines turned upside down. It's thinking about parents trying to figure out how to do the whole work at home, parent at home, students trying to figure out how to do the the study at home and be a kid at home all at the same time, dance. I know that for students in particular, there's a lot of disappointment that the year is ending up the way that it is. And especially for you seniors, I know that there's a real sense of loss for you. And we're all trying to figure out how to do this, this strange stay connected while we're staying apart thing. And then more and more, there are just real fears in the air, aren't there? About our health, about finances, what this will mean for the economy, for the country, for what's going on around the globe, and and even fear for our life. And and more and more, some have have begun to be touched by this. People that we know, some of our own loved ones, acquaintances, friends. I just want to remind you that God put on my heart three invitations that I believe that he is calling us to. As we wrestle with what it means to live out our calling to love during these coronavirus days. To stay anchored to God. To stay connected with one another. And to stay faithful to our calling to live out a life of love. So this morning, I'm going to continue as we find ourselves in Holy Week. Actually, this morning and next Sunday morning, I'm going to stick with this theme of our staying anchored to God. We'll consider how God is working in our difficult circumstances this Sunday and how God is with us in our difficult circumstances next Sunday. And I just want to uh, express to you who are kids, I loved seeing some of the palm branches that you all made. Those were awesome. I hope you had a chance during that opening uh, kids song that was being sung to wave them around and in celebration of Palm Sunday. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't already done this, to grab some paper and some stuff to draw with. And uh, as you're listening, I'd love to encourage you just to Respond in whatever way God prompts you to do that. I'll really look forward to seeing uh, the ways that God uh, moves you to come up with some uh, creative response. 
And uh, parents, I want to encourage you also, singles, uh, adults, uh, if you would grab something to write with, that would be great as we go into this message. In the second half of the message, I'm going to go through a list of some different ways that we're promised that God is at work in difficult circumstances. And I think it'll be helpful for you to have those verse references, but I'm also just going to ask us all to take a moment right at the end of the message to talk or to text a response uh, to some of the ways that you sense God at work. So, to start off with, do you know what this is? This is a thorn bush. And it has got thorns on it that are nasty and brutish and sharp. I mean, if I were to grab onto one of these branches right now, it would puncture my skin. It would hurt. And if you were to just brush your leg alongside of this, it would grab, it would tear at your clothing and tear at your skin. In fact, uh, earlier this week, I went out to get some time in creation and I walked through a section where there were a bunch of these thorn bushes and they snagged my socks and they, they tore at my shorts and I actually have four scars down my leg that started bleeding from where I scraped along the thorns on these branches. So if, uh, if you were to decide just on the basis of the thorns on this plant, whether or not we would want to keep these plants around, I think most of us would agree that we should just get rid of the things, dig them up and throw them out now. But when it comes to this particular kind of thorn bush, the thorns aren't the whole story. Even with these nasty thorns on this plant, instead of steering around these plants when we see them, we seek them out. Instead of digging them up and, and getting rid of them when we find them in our gardens, we go to great lengths to protect them and to feed them and to prune them and to grow them. Why? Well, it's because of what grows on them. Here's what happens when spring comes and this thorn bush begins to bud and to blossom. You gotta love that. You guys already have figured this out. But this thorn bush is a rose bush. And these are what will grow on top of this. They are beautiful, aren't they? They're just stunning and so fragrant. And we're just drawn to these. Now it's not the thorns that catch us, but it's the flowers that grab us and hold on to us. So it turns out the only difference between a thorn bush and a rose bush is the passing of time. So I think a rose bush, a thorn bush, is a great analogy for the difficulties and the hardships that we are in the middle of right now. Life's hardships tear at us and they wound us. And we want to do everything we can to avoid them, to dig them out of our lives and to throw them away. But in God's hands, as time passes, God produces beauty among the thorns. As it says in Ecclesiastes 
He makes all things beautiful in his time. So today we're exploring what that means. As we find ourselves in increasingly difficult times, where can we look for evidence of God's presence with us and of his work around us? Today we celebrate Palm Sunday, the day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and began his long walk to the cross. So let's listen to the story from Luke's gospel. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 28. And as you're on your way to that passage, I just want to remind you that we are inviting you together to walk through the last days of Jesus's life through our midday meditations that we'll be posting every day at noon. And then also on Friday, we'll have our traditional Good Friday service, which will be live streaming. We'd love to have you uh, take part in that with us as well. And if you do, we just uh, would encourage you to grab uh, something to write with and a piece of paper so that you can take part in that with us. And also don't miss the day of prayer and fasting that we're going to be engaged in together with our whole denomination and actually several other denominations uh, to pray for uh, an end to the virus. And then next Sunday, we get a chance to come together again online and celebrate the resurrection and the promise that Jesus is with us always. Okay, so let's listen to the Palm Sunday account from Luke's gospel. As Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side and dash you to the ground. You and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. The Greek word for time in that last line is kairos. You did not recognize the kairos of God coming to you. You may remember that in Greek, there are different words for time. One is chronos, which just refers to kind of the regular unfolding of time, minutes, hours, days, weeks, and so on. But the other is kairos, which is used to describe moments that carry with them sort of a unique weight of significance. 
So two things to know about Kairos moments that are important for us, I think, in understanding this passage and also in understanding what God is doing in our times. First, Kairos moments are moments in which God is up to something. They are crammed with divine purpose. But second, they are moments that require a response from us. There is some yes to God that we are invited to give. So here comes the king of the universe in human flesh, arriving at the threshold of the world, walking to his sacrifice. And apart from those who line the streets with palm branches, most of the world misses it. Jesus says in verse 41, if you had only known what would bring you peace, and in verse 44, you didn't recognize the kairos of God's coming to you. Why didn't they know it? Why didn't they recognize it? Was it because it didn't meet their expectations of how God would work? I think so. They didn't have a category for it. Maybe it was because God came in human form and they didn't expect that. Maybe it was because that divine human being came in gentleness and humility, riding in on a donkey instead of on a war horse. Maybe it was because his victory was secured through death and defeat and not triumph and glory. Yes, to all of those, but maybe especially because the peace and release from captivity that God promised came not after the Roman occupation, not because it was ended, but during it. While the hated enemy, the Romans, still ruled over them and mistreated them, because of their pain and suffering, this seemed to them to be a time from which God was absent, not a time in which God was present and working. They didn't have a category for it. For God working for good, even when the evil wasn't going away. For God bringing forth roses, even when the thorns still tore at them. So as a, as a result, they didn't respond as God intended, which was to open up their hearts to Jesus with faith and trust and hope and to find their life and their peace in him. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 say this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The death of Jesus is a loving God pursuing us and reconciling us to himself, at oneing us, atoning us, making us at one with him for all of eternity. And we are called upon to recognize that that's what God is doing and to respond to that in faith. All we need to do is to receive the gift of our restored relationship with God by putting our trust in Jesus as the one who restores us and reconciles us to God and to entrust our lives into his safekeeping now and for all of eternity. So before we go on, have you done that? Have you received the gift of Jesus' life given in your place? 
for your redemption? Have you put the weight of your life on Jesus as the one who alone in these unsettled times is able to bear the weight of our lives and to carry us through? It's really a simple thing to do. Just talk to God from your heart like you would talk to a friend. Tell him that you believe that Jesus died for you to forgive your sins and to make you right with God. And then put your trust in him as Savior and and trust your life to him as Lord. And then start following him. If you have a question about what that involves and want to know more, shoot me an email. I'd love to be able to talk with you about it. So that's what was going on in this ultimate Kairos moment when God himself came to humanity in human form. When he died for us and then rose. Sorry, I was thorn about whether or not to say that, but I suppose I should nip these puns in the bud before I get any farther along. I knew at least two of you, among all of you, would appreciate that. Thank you. So, let's now step back and consider our own moment in time. Is there a way that we might see this COVID-19 virus attack as a Kairos moment as well? As a moment in which God is up to something. A moment on the threshold of which God stands a moment in which God is coming to us? And if so, what might be the response that he desires from us? I think we face the same faith challenge that the people faced when Jesus rode into the city. How do we recognize the good that God is doing when there is so much bad that's going on around us? I think it's important to say this. God has not revealed to us his ultimate purposes that lie behind this virus, why he has allowed this to come upon us. And it isn't our place to speculate on what God uh, has not chosen to make known to us. But that doesn't mean that we're left to guess how God may wish to come to us in our present difficulties and even to use those difficulties for our good. The Bible spells out a number of different ways that we can look for God to work in the middle of difficult circumstances like the ones that we find ourselves in. Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So let's just take a few minutes to look at some of the different ways that the scriptures tell us that God uses painful circumstances in our lives to conspire for our good. So think about the thorn bush on which, over time, buds begin to form. You can already see some beginning to form on this one. Buds begin to form and then grow and then blossom into beauty. What buds should we begin to be looking for on our thorn bush? Well, there are nine specific ways that God tells us in Scripture that he is working for our good whenever we find ourselves in difficult circumstances. So why don't you just jot these down as we go along and maybe put a star by the ones that resonate with you. And then in just a moment, I'll ask you to just share with uh, someone who's seated near you or text someone uh, 
a way that one of these resonates with you specifically. So how does God work for our good in painful circumstances? Here's what the scriptures teach us. God uses painful circumstances to help us see our need for him and to draw us toward himself. That's what the entirety of Psalm 107 is about. Beginning in verse 10, it says, Some had been sitting in darkness and deep gloom. They were prisoners suffering in chains because they had disobeyed God's instructions and rejected the Most High's plans. So God humbled them. They stumbled and there was no one to help them. So they cried out to the Lord in their distress and God saved them from their desperate circumstances. The Bible teaches that God uses painful circumstances to show us the limits of our own resources, of our own strength and wisdom, and to teach us to rely not on ourselves, but on him. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God, who raises the dead. Here's another way that God uses painful circumstances in our lives. To fold us into his arms. To deepen our trust in him and to help us know the depths of his love for us. Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 to nine. In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not See him now. You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. The scriptures also teach us that God uses painful circumstances to strengthen our hope in the future that he has promised to us in Christ. A hope that encompasses both this life and the life to come. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they can help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. God also uses painful circumstances to help us grow spiritually, to stretch us in order to strengthen us, forming endurance and patience and peace. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may become mature and complete as God intends you to be, not lacking anything in your faith. 
The scriptures teach us that God uses painful circumstances in our lives to make us more and more like Jesus. Teaching us to live as Jesus lived and to love as Jesus loved. This comes through in lots of places, including in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Listen to how this fits with the passage we read earlier. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. God uses painful circumstances to equip us to comfort others, using us to embody his compassion, his care, his mercy, for others who find themselves in painful circumstances. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. Here are two more. God uses painful circumstances to reveal his glory in this world. Putting his beauty and his majesty on display, especially through his people, and giving people a bigger picture of God. John chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man who was, born, who was blind from birth. Jesus' disciples asked him, well, Rabbi, who sinned that he was born blind, this man or his parents? And Jesus answered, neither he nor his parents. This happened so that God's mighty works might be displayed in him. And then finally, related to that and encompassing all of these other things, God uses painful circumstances in our lives to show the world that he is God. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 3 to 5, or 3 to 6. And they, leading into that, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 8 says, Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. And then beginning in verse 3 of Isaiah 45, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. I am the Lord and there is no other. And so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, all may know that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Even when we don't see him, He's working. He never stops working. You take a minute to just look back over the list of these things that we've, that the scriptures remind us are ways that God works good even in the middle of painful circumstances. So which of those buds are you already beginning to see from among the thorns during these coronavirus days? If you're together with others right now, I'm just going to ask you to take about two minutes to share with, uh, to share which of these you are starting to get glimpses of during these Kairos times. 
how you're starting to see God working for good, even in such difficult circumstances. And if you happen to be watching this on your own, just grab your phone and text an answer to someone else in the covenant family who may be watching us right now. So share with one another, where are you seeing the buds beginning to blossom? Would you pray with me, covenant family? Lord, in these dark days, we cry out to you. In your loving kindness, break through our darkness and come to us with your light. In the midst of the thorns that tear at us right now, Lord, open up our spiritual senses to see the budding good that you are forming, to smell the fragrance of your presence, to gain glimpses of you at work. Lord, whatever else may be your purposes in these times, help us to see our need for you. Show us the limits of our own resources. Deepen our faith. Strengthen our hope. Help us to grow. Make us more like Jesus. Equip us to comfort others. Reveal your glory around us and through us. And let this world know 
that you are God. Jesus, our living hope, help us to find you in everything that comes our way. We pray this, Jesus, in your name.